This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Good morning or good afternoon, I guess, depending on where you're at in the country. Uh, we're here for the very first broadcast of Cybersecurity Insiders. I'm here with my co-host, Carlene Langford, the better half in this duo. And uh, we're, we're all very, very happy that you're here today. And we think that uh, ongoing this webinar, series of webinars monthly are going to be really great for your business because we're going to really talk to you about how you can protect your business from this advancing and exponentially growing uh, cybercrime world that we're all living within right now. So with that, I wanted to go through some ground rules with you. Uh, you're all muted here on the Crowdcast platform, uh, but uh, on the right, you will see two boxes, one for chat and one for Q&A. Uh, use the chat if you just have general comments that you want to leave. If you have a specific question, use the icon with the question mark. Those are Q&As because what will happen is as we answer those questions, we'll be able to tag it in the video and report back later of where we answered your question. You'll be able to go right to it in the broadcast. So pretty cool technology. But this is all brand new technology as we were struggling for the last half hour trying to get this up and running and actually working appropriately. But I think we're good now. I think we're good. So let's go ahead and get started. So I'm going to invite Art Gross to the stage. Let me grab him and bring him to the main stage. Art, thanks for joining today. Thanks, Art. Thanks, uh, Carlene. And uh, as you said, we were struggling in the uh, the green room trying to get this to work. So uh, hopefully, hopefully we won't have any technical issues. Got to love technology. Absolutely. So Art is with a company called InSkyber, which is a cyber insurance company. Uh, I've known Art for probably three or four years now. Uh, he's a an unbelievable expert in cybersecurity, but more importantly, he's a good friend. And uh, to have him come on and be the first guest on our show is really great. He thinks he's a guinea pig because we're testing new technology, which I guess, yeah, true. You are you are a guinea pig, and that's cool. But uh, with that, <laughs> I've been called worse. I've been called worse, so that's okay. That's right. That's right. Well, let's go ahead and get started. So, Art, you know, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about your background and a little bit about Inskyber. Let's let's set the stage there. I um, I am a managed service provider. I'm a CEO of a managed service provider. Um, so I'm very, very much into technology, um, you know, supporting small and mid-sized businesses, focusing on healthcare. I'm also a CEO of um, Breach Secure Now, which is a cyber um, awareness training company. And I am CEO of Inskyber, which is an insurance uh, broker um, focusing on cyber insurance and um, cybersecurity. So, needless to say, I don't I don't sleep that much. <laughs> you know, a lot lot of things going on, um, all involving uh, cybersecurity technology, and you know, and and protecting clients from criminals and and keeping uh, networks running. So, a lot going on there. 
There is a lot going on there. Tell us a little bit about Inscriber. What was the concept behind it? How did it come about? Yeah, so, you know, as we, you know, my, I mentioned that I am the CEO of uh, Breach Secure Now. It's a uh, cyber security company. And we work with tens of thousands of um, small and mid-sized businesses, managed service providers. And I saw the need, the struggle that a lot of companies were having with obtaining um, insurance, um, you know, making sure that they had the right controls, the right safeguards in place. Uh, and through working with MSPs and small businesses, we, we saw that opportunity. So, um, you know, we've been running in Skyber for about two years now, and uh, it's it's growing rapidly. And, and there's a whole lot of change in the cyber insurance uh, uh, world, as we're going to talk about it today. So, um, you know, I, we were a little early and now it's just it's crazy times. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Carlene, I think you might have a question or two. Let's, what do you what do you have for Art? I do. Like, I mean, I think that I want to, for the listening audience out there, how do you make cybersecurity more real than just that buzzword? Tell us what you're seeing in the world of cybersecurity, the trends and, and yeah. what's, what's going on these days. You know, cy cybersecurity is interesting. You know, the trends, um, you know, you hear about ransomware all the time. You hear about, you know, cyber criminals. But, you know, if you looked at what happened during, you know, COVID in, in, in 2020, you know, the cyber crime has just gone exponential now. Um, and I don't see it slowing down, especially if there's, you know, some economic, um, you know, uh, hardships in, in this year or next year recession. Criminals just love insecurity, you know, disinformation. And, um, you know, so we're seeing just just a rise in in cyber crime. Um, and, you know, I mentioned ransomware, but the biggest concern that I that I see is more about financial crime and and you know trying to to business email compromise and you know trying to trick people to wiring money or paying fake invoices so you know ransomware gets all of the attention but it's really this financial crime and social engineering is just um you know it's a real problem for small businesses large businesses um, you know it, it goes up you know into the enterprise so um no business is immune to it and I don't see any signs of cybercrime slowing down. If not, it's accelerating. I mean, it's over a trillion dollar industry right now. Think about that. It's bigger than Amazon. <laughs> it's bigger than Apple. Um, that's that's how big this is. And then when you have that much resources, you're going to get a whole lot of people wanting a piece of that pie. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, you know, Art, we've talked a lot over the years, but, you know, what would you consider to be the top three, like non-negotiable things that businesses have to have in place to ensure that, you know, that they're covered from a cybersecurity perspective? I mean, there's, there's a laundry list and I know we're going to get to that here soon, but what do you think of the top three? Well, you know, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, uh, special towards uh, training employees. You know, the biggest the biggest um, risk that businesses have are a mistake by one of their employees. You know, if we didn't have a human problem, we probably wouldn't have a cybersecurity problem, right? You know, when people are, you know, tricked in social engineering, they make mistakes, they're sending information to the wrong customers, the wrong patients. And um, so you got to focus on on strengthening employees. That That's number one. Um, two, I would look at multi-factor authentication, right? You know, everyone's reusing passwords and there's tons of passwords on the dark web. If you don't have multi-factor authentication, just waiting to be um, 
impact. Um, and then, then you know, we were talking about ransomware. You, you have to have a solid backup and recovery plan. You know, it's not just backing up the data. You got to make sure that you can actually recover. Um, that's the best way to to you know survive a ransomware attack. So if you ask for only three, those are the top three that that I would pick. But as you were mentioning, Ira, there's probably another fifteen. But you know, from a, a top three, those are, those are where I would definitely focus. And they're low hanging fruit, right? You know, training employees isn't that hard. Implementing MFA or multi-factor authentication isn't that hard. And and making sure that you have good backups and cloud-based backups and ability to restore isn't that hard um, anymore. So you know, those, those are those where my focus would be. Great, yeah, I totally see it. And by the way, everybody. As a company, Telesystem, we offer many types of cybersecurity services, including security awareness training, which is, I think, the first thing that we talked about here. But, Carlene, what, what do you have? Well, um, I was going to say that, you know, Ira, you said in, I don't know, I saw one of your presentations where you basically said it's not if, it'll be when you'll be hit with a cyber attack. So I think that companies are probably interested in figuring out about the insurance and getting the insurance. So what are the types of things that are on the checklist if a company needed to sign up for insurance art? Yeah, you know, and and uh, go go figure, some of the, the top um, elements are the three that I've already mentioned, you know, training employees and backing up data. Um, I call it the, the, the big five, right? So, you, you know, one, you have to have training. Two, you have to have a solid antivirus and, um, endpoint detection and response. You need to know what's happening on those, those, um, those desktops and systems. Uh, Multi-factor authentication, um, you have to have uh, data backup and recovery. And then also one of the biggest attack vectors is remote access, leaving you know, systems um, open you know, to, for either um, you know, remote, remoting into it or supporting it or to get to data, having a, um, a solid remote desktop strategy and protecting that is really important. And those big, I call those the top five. Um, most insurance companies, if you don't have those in place, you're, you're going to be very um, hard pressed to get insurance or, or if you do get insurance, it's going to be very expensive. So those are, those are kind of the non-negotiables. Um, for the most part, all carriers want to see those five. A bunch of other pieces that will help secure but you know those are the those are the top five that that the major carriers are looking for. So Art, you know, one of the things that has been one of my favorite things over the years is this concept of security awareness training. You know, taking the weakest link in your business and making it the strongest defense. And you know, it's interesting over the the three and a half four years we've been selling this. What I found is, has not changed over the years. And it's crazy to me that most businesses don't think of this piece. Like they just, I would say 80 to 85% of the customers we talk to have never thought about that human element. So what role do you see security awareness training taking in protecting business from the bad guys? I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a huge role. Um, as I mentioned, a majority of breaches are caused by employee mistakes. You know, they don't want to make mistakes. You know, they're, they're either socially engineered, they're tricked, um, phishing, uh, social, social media. Um, they send, they lose a laptop. They send, you know, 
PII, personal identifiable information via email. Um, and, and so if you, if you ignore the number one factor of employees making mistakes, as I mentioned before, without a human problem, an employee problem, you wouldn't have a cybersecurity problem. You know, by, by strengthening employees, you can lower the chance of breaches. But you, you got it right, Ira. You know, people want technology, right? They want to put a firewall. They want to put some antivirus on a machine and say, we're done, right? Can't we just be done? <laughs> you know, and, and unfortunately, that's not the way it works. And, and if the majority of the breaches are caused by employee mistakes, you have to focus on them. Yes, you need the other pieces. You need data backup and MFA and, you know, password managers and, and endpoint detection and response and antivirus. But you need to strengthen those employees to help protect themselves and, and your company. And it is just it's 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 kind of interesting uh, what you mentioned is like, why don't companies think of this? Because, you know, they, they expect oh, we hire good employees. They're smart people. They're not going to make a mistake. And, you know, if we have technology, we don't have to worry about it. We can focus on our business. But that's, you know. Unfortunately, not the case. You really do have to focus on employees. And, you know, it's a low-hanging fruit. If it isn't that expensive to train employees, it doesn't take that much time. And if you can get them, if you can build a culture of security, you you will strengthen your, your cybersecurity exponentially. And then you put the other pieces of technology. So I, I think it's the most important aspect, along with technology, to go, you know, to to give you more of layers but skipping on on focusing on the employees are going to really be a problem yeah i agree i agree and you know we uh, you know we built this whole sort of cybersecurity division or, of our company we started with security awareness training it was the the bread and butter at the beginning because we felt like it could give the most impact and uh just so everyone knows Art's company is actually the, he's like the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain. He, you know, their product is what we actually sell as uh, our security awareness training. It's the best, uh, best around by far. And we vetted out everybody. So if you're not thinking as a business owner, or maybe you're a partner on this call, uh, you're not thinking about, or you haven't thought about security awareness training, you need, that needs to be on your agenda this year. And the sooner the better. You know, and, and just to, to go a little further in this, you know, people think of training. Historically, we used to have like annual training, right? You know, you you would train employees once a year and and you know, don't don't, you know, here's here's HIPAA training or here's cyber security training. That's not the way humans learn. Humans learn by continuous training and by testing and and all of those pieces. So, you know, we, we have to think of cybersecurity training as as same as teaching a student math or, or physics or, or economics, ongoing training and testing and really strengthening those employees. Um, so yeah, training is, is probably one of the most, uh, you know, most needed aspect. And it's one of the things that cyber insurance carriers are absolutely looking at. They realize it, they know it, they know employees are the biggest mistake, you know, or, or, or the, the weakest link, so to speak. I don't really like to call employees the weakest link, but without training, they are. And and carriers realize that, and they they are requiring, um, you know, security awareness training, simulated phishing, 
proof that you are strengthening these employees. Excellent. Excellent. So, I mean, that's basically, that, that's a perfect segue into my next question about the whole cybersecurity insurance world. What's going on out there? Like what, who are the vendors? What are the kinds of things they're doing? Yeah. Well, let's put it this way. It is a the industry in transition, right? So, you know, a few years ago, not maybe five years ago, anyone can get insurance. Um, it was really cheap. It was, um, you know, you, you, add, you, add, you were asked four or five questions. You have a firewall, you back enough data, you have antivirus, and we'll give you, uh, you know, cyber insurance. And it was, it was relatively inexpensive, you know, starting under $1,000. Things changed, you know, as I mentioned in COVID and, and, and all of these scams and all of this ransomware attacks and data breaches. And what the carriers woke up to one day is, oh, my God, we got to pay out a lot of claims, right? You know, because all of these cheap policies, these businesses were starting to, you know, become crime or cyber crime victims. Um, and so the carriers then said, you know, we gotta, we gotta stop this, right? We're, we're gonna go out of business. I mean, you know, a, a an insurance carrier is in business to make money, right? You know, you 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 collect uh, premiums and you pay out less than what you collect and you make money. When you start to pay out more than what you collect, you have a big problem. So you know, they they did two things that you know significantly impact businesses. The first one was they raised premiums. Okay, so. You know, no longer is it a thousand dollars. You know, it's 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 hundred times, hundred percent more, two thousand, four thousand, five thousand. So if your policy was ten thousand, you could be looking at twenty thousand. If it was twenty thousand, you'd be looking at at um, you know forty thousand or twenty thousand, forty thousand. So the other piece was, you know, to go along with that is coverage has been reduced. So if they were covering a million dollars of ransomware. You know, not only did your premium double, potentially double, but they may only cover $500,000 of ransomware. So now you have sublimits. That's what it's called, sublimits. Like part, you may have a million dollar policy, but it only covers $500,000 of ransomware. It only covers $250,000 of business email compromise or financial fraud. So policies went down in, in coverage in the amount what they were covering while premiums went up. The second big piece of that was that the carriers realized all of these companies that were applying for, for insurance, you know, they were checking a box that they implemented a few pieces of technology and they were getting insurance. Well, they realized that that's not the way to lower the, the risk of cybercrime. So they those four question questionnaires of, of what kind of cybersecurity safeguards became 60 questions. So it's not only four things you need, you need 60. And if you don't have 60 or all 60, then you're gonna pay the highest premium. So because the carriers realized that the only way to minimize our losses is by lowering the chance of a data breach and, and ransomware. And the way to lower that is to implement more cybersecurity. Um, so the combination of both is, you know, you have to show the carrier that you have a lot more cybersecurity implemented that you're really taking that seriously. And on the other hand is you're going to pay more money than you did in the past, and you're probably going to have less coverage than you had in the past. And, um, you know, so, you know, if you're a business, that's not really good. <laughs> Although it is, it is transforming the industry to 
implement more cybersecurity. You know, forget about government controls and all of that. Cyber insurance is driving cybersecurity adoption, which, you know, from a security awareness point of view or security, um, you know, uh, company, we like that. We we want more businesses to implement cybersecurity and and to lower the chances of the breaches. So um, long-winded answer, but uh, that that is really the, the what's happened in the last couple of years in cyber insurance. No, it makes sense, right? And and you know, I think the thing I think think the thing to think about here for everybody who's listening, either now you might be we're streaming this to LinkedIn, by the way, we're streaming this to YouTube, wherever you're at, is this is like a giant game of whack-a-mole you know if you've ever been to the the uh, the old carnivals the traveling carnivals they have this game where you have this big mallet thing and these moles keep there's like eight or ten holes and they keep popping out and you keep knocking them back in the hole and it's maddening because it never ends and you never end up winning but that's what like cybersecurity is about. You know, what, what Art's getting to here is, listen, there's this laundry list of things you need to be doing as a business. If you want to get insurance, right, you have to be doing all these things. Uh, but, you know, even if you want to be protecting your business, you got to be doing the majority of them. And the thing is, it's like, boom, boom, you're knocking one down. It's a constant iterative process. So you need to understand that. And Art, you know, I, I know the... Um, over the last couple of years, the cyber insurance world has changed dramatically, right? And you've, you've went into some of those things already. Um, but, you know, one of the things I've been hearing, and I don't know how, how much truth there is to this, because if you think about it, the insurance world, whether it's health insurance or cyber insurance or business insurance, is all about being, you need to be profitable as a company. So you want to limit your exposure and pay out as little as you can. Right. You know, that, that's the game here. And, uh, you know, I have heard that there is this trend out in the cyber insurance world where let's say I go through and I sign up for insurance and I answer the 60 questions and, you know, I answer some of them not false. Right. I say I'm doing something, but I'm really not. Like I say, I, I have my people sign off on security policies, but I'm really not. Or I say I have MFA and I really don't. Um, and I let's say I did that and I were to get breached at a later point. As an insurer, you probably don't know. You're taking my word for it that I did these things. But, but if I didn't and I get breached, what happens then? Can I mean, I imagine you can come back to me and say, uh, no, we're not paying out. That's exactly what happens. So, you know, anytime you you have a claim, you have some cyber crime, um, ransomware, you know, financial fraud, data breach, whatever that is, you know, you submit that claim to the insurance company, they are going to send forensics investigators, right? We're going to figure out what happened. One, because you have to do that. We have to figure out what happened um, because we may need to notify customers. There's a, there's a whole bunch of pieces to go along with that. But as part of that forensic investigation, we find out you said you had MFA on all of your systems and we find out it's only on a subset and the, the, the systems that didn't have MFA and that's because of the breach, then you weren't really being honest on your application. And what we've seen travelers is a great case. Um, you know, they they went to court and said, we're not going to pay, you know, pay out on this claim and they won. And they won and and it was a manufacturer they got hit with a ransomware attack 
They said they had um, MFA on all of their systems. It turned out they only had it on desktops and not their servers. And sure enough, you know, one of the servers were um, compromised. And Traveler said, nope, you you were not truthful on that. that. And think about it. From an insurance point of view, that makes sense. You know, we're insuring you. We're going to pay claims, but you need to lower the risk to yourself and to us. And if you say you're doing something and not doing it, why should we have to pay out? And of course, you know, it went to court and travelers won. So, you know, that has a huge impact. And Ira, you're right. This is really, this is happening. It has a huge impact because if you look at the cyber controls you're putting in place, you know, you are you really doing what you say you're doing? And it, it, you may not lie. You know, you may think you have MFA on everything, but it's only a subset. You may think you're training your employees, but they're not actually taking the training. Does that count? <laughs> you know, just because you you pay for training and no one's going through the training, does that count? Um, just because you say you have antivirus, but your definitions are not up to date, does that count? So the false sense of security, oh, we have this insurance policy, it doesn't really give you security until you actually put a claim in and the insurance company pays on it. And, you know, a lot of times people want to say, well, insurance companies, they're, you know, they're, they're not, they're, they're not going to pay and they're evil. They're not evil. They're, they're, we will pay out on claims and they do pay out on claims, but they're expecting in return that if you said you were implementing cybersecurity controls to lower the chance of a breach, you're actually doing that. So, you know, it, it could make people very uncomfortable because, you know, everyone likes to say, well, at least I have my safety net. I have this insurance policy. But if if you don't know if you're going to get paid out on that, that could be a major problem. And, you know, I, I, I don't I don't want people to stay up at night thinking about this, but they should be validating the things that we said we were doing. We're truly doing. Um, yeah. And and I think that opens up, you know, a, a, a big big gap in what potentially could could you know could happen to a company and the thing is and one of the pieces with like renewals just because you have a policy on renewal there may be a lot more cybersecurity controls that you're going to have to put into place so you know one of the things i i definitely recommend is as part of the renewal process should start as early as possible it used to be you know we'll wait until the last two weeks get the best price and sign up but you may get hit with 10 new controls that you need to put in place. You can't put an MFA across everything in two weeks. You know, you can't put an EDR system in and implement it, you know, across a, a company in two weeks. You may need two months or three months. So starting the process earlier is highly recommended now. Makes are sense. You, Go I'm sorry, I'm just like, are you seeing the insurance companies requiring you to prove some of this stuff? So if you say you put these controls in place, you have to you know, it, what's interesting, that's a that's a great question. What's interesting is, you know, when you fill out the application, they really don't. You know, they 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 are you know, you're, you were attesting to the fact that what you're saying is true. And, you know, you're you're signing that. And and it's really until there's an investigation. And then it's, you know, it's the burden is let's prove that what you said you had in place, you truly have in place. So there isn't like, okay, here's my training report. All my employees got trained. Here's, you know, the proof that I have MFA across everything. I can see it going there. I mean, I can definitely see in the next year or two, 
that's where the carriers will will go but right now it's more of a self-attestation with the caveat that just because you have insurance and just because you say you're doing it doesn't mean you're going to get paid unless you can prove that you're you're doing it so one of the one of the things to go along with that is i would recommend businesses when they're working with their it you know you can't get cyber insurance without working with your it staff whether that's you know in-house or whether that's a managed service provider you know to make sure that you do have the proof if every one of those questions that you're answering that you have a report to show that this is the case and if i'm a business owner I would be pushing back on IT to, to say, are you sure we're doing this? Are we, you know, are we training employees? Are you sure that everyone is taking that training? Are you sure that we have multi-factor authentication across all the systems that we are saying that we have? So, you know, a lot of times you know, it's easy to say, oh, let's just answer yes. And I think we'll be okay. I would, as a business owner, be pushing back and, and really, you know, asking for proof even if we may not have to submit it to the insurance company, but proof that we, what we're saying, we can actually back up. You know, I want to, the comments and questions are starting to come in. So I'm going to, I'm going to try something here. So basically this is a, uh, Seth just sent this. So, or no, no, I'm sorry. This is not the right one. Hold on a minute. So Seth just put this in. It says 69% of survey respondents would avoid a company that had suffered a data breach and 29% of those surveyed would never visit that business again. Perhaps it's no surprise that most of these businesses go out of business within six months. Amazing, yeah. amazing. Um, we do have a question here, Art. I wanna, I wanna send this to you real quick and then I'll turn it back to Carleen. But uh, they said, Art, how important is alignment to a recognized cyber framework in order to collect on claims? Maybe you can talk about what a cyber framework is first, because maybe some people don't know what that is. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so it's a great question. And and it's really that's, you know, part of um, part of some of the changes that that insurance companies are looking for. You know, cyber frameworks are like NIST, which is a national institute of security technology. I, I don't actually know what NIST stands for, but NIST is like one of the frameworks that, that advise this is the pieces of technology pieces of process things that you do that will lower the chances you know how to protect um data so i think nist is one of them cis um is, a, is another framework you know these are things that companies can you know implement or or those frameworks um and they're, they're they really help companies because otherwise you're like well what should i implement and what what should i be looking at so by, by taking frameworks, it helps with the implementation. Now, what we're seeing on a lot of the applications are, you know, insurers are saying, are you aligning your security program with a framework? Are you, and which, what is the framework? Is it ISO, is it SIS, is it, is it um, NIST? And, you know, it is really important now. And, and because I think, again, the carriers are saying, the way to protect a business is to make sure that they're aligning with a framework. And, you know, if you now one of the things to to, you know, to um, to point out is you don't have to say yes to everything. There are some things that you won't get insurance for if you, you know, if you say we don't have multi-factor authentication and our remote um, access is open to the Internet with no protections other than a user ID and password, most likely you won't get insurance. Um, 
you know, if you say we are implementing some framework, but we don't have it totally implemented, most likely you'll still get insurance. You know, some of it may be higher premiums, um, but I, I, you know, we are seeing the carriers look more and more at these frameworks and they realize a company, one of the really key points here is, can you tell a good story? Can you show the carrier that we totally, you know, feel that cyber security is important, that we are doing what we can, you know, to our resources, meaning financial resources or personnel resources to lower the chance of a data breach to protect ourselves. Um, and if you can paint that story, if you can say we've implemented a NIST framework or a CIS framework or an ISO framework and, and paint that picture, that carrier is going to have a much higher comfort level that you are truly implementing the controls needed as opposed to some company that doesn't really care about security and they just want this policy and there's a good chance that the carrier is going to have to pay out. So I, I think these frameworks are important and I think they help tell a good story. And that is the key for business working with an insurance company, being able to tell a good cybersecurity story. Awesome. And I'm going to turn it back to Carlene here in a second, but I just want to remind everyone some cool stuff in the technology here. Down below the video, there's a button. That's a live button that allows you to download a cyber insurance tip worksheet we did for you. So if you want to download that at any time, just click on that button. On the Q&A, you all have the ability to determine what questions we answer. So as people answer questions, you can upvote them in the Q&A. And the ones that bubble up to the top are the ones more people want to hear about. So make sure uh, make sure that you uh, you upvote those things. So, Carlene, I'll turn it back to you. He turns it back to me after distracting me with all the cool technology. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, talking about you know our customers that are out there and they don't have insurance. What happens when they get breached? What kind of impact yep. financially are they expected to feel? That, that is a great question. And, and you know, one, one of the big problems is most business owners have no idea what a data breach really is. Um, you know, uh, and, and we look at it financially. Oh, the breach will cost you, you know, X amount. And I think we're going to talk about that a little bit more in detail, but it's really the emotional impact. Right. You know, the knowing that, oh, my God, I've worked so hard. You know, think, think of a small business owner or mid-sized business owner work so hard to build this business and it all can go away. I mean, I get hit with, you know, five million dollars of a of expenses. I won't be able to pay for it. Um, I, I've, I have such a great reputation because I make a great product and now my reputation is destroyed. You know, um, I got competitors using this breach to to steal my customers. I have customers reading about, um, you know, the, a data breach and avoiding doing business with it. It's devastating. You're also making decisions in the dark. Okay. No one's practiced. I mean, most, most companies have not practiced for a ransomware attack. Most companies have not practiced for, you know, a data breach. So they don't know what they need to do. It's like, oh my God, turn the lights off and start making decisions. You know, do we, what do we do with the servers? How do we get revenue back up really quick? So all of that happens the moment you have a data breach. It's like it's an explosion and you have to start to, to you know, start to, to interact with 
with you know um security companies the press the customers getting dragged on social media all at the exact time when you don't even know what's happening it is it is truly nerve-wracking and you know it's almost like your house is burning down what do you do you haven't prepared you have to go in and grab your you know your children and your, your pets and your valuables but you never practice it's just you only have a few minutes to do it so that's the human side of it that's the emotional side you know to answer your question that's where cyber insurance really comes in you know cyber insurance provides not only finance you know people think of insurance as okay if i have a breach or i have some issue i'll get paid on it but it's really more than the payment it, it's it's all about the vendors and the resources that go along with the policy so you know usually you if you had a data breach um, the first call you'll make is usually to your insurance company. Probably it could be to your lawyer or maybe your IT, but eventually you're going to get that insurance company involved and they start to deploy resources. They they have a, you know, a, a, um, a breach coach or a quarterback. That's usually a law firm. They start to take, handle the, the breach. They start to handle the recovery. Um, they, they, they'll bring in for us forensic investigators because the key is and i think we were saying this before is how much you know who how much data has been exposed which pay which patients which customers that we need to to worry about um you know and then then they'll bring in other vendors that have reputation management how do we get ahead of stories that are going to be told about you know this breach and and damage to our reputation you know then you start to um, help desk because you're going to have customers calling in you know fearful of that their information upset that their information has been compromised um then there's credit monitoring and all of those pieces so the insurance company really does provide not only financial help but help with all of these these um you know vendors and and specialized breach response vendors that can really minimize the damage of a breach um and you know that's why if you don't have that it becomes very expensive quickly but also you know you have no one organizing this you you haven't done this you you're hoping that you know that your your law firm can help you you're hoping that your IT firm can help you but there's so many moving parts that you may not have access to so you know i i like to advise clients that it isn't just the financial, not just that million dollar policy or $2 million policy. It's all of the resources that go along with it. Those are critical in, you know, in responding to a data breach. You know, Art, as I think about that, um, you know, it's it's those sort of nuance other things that are are the scary things like, you know what, paying off these crazy hackers a couple hundred grand to get your data back is one thing but the it, i think sometimes the in, the insurmountable thing is the collateral damage yep. you know, it's it's the collateral damage of customers not trusting you anymore Absolutely. and thinking right like you can't fix I mean, that with money you, you think about it you know you have a data breach you know and and say an employee caused the data breach you know that you're trying to respond they're crying in your office because they feel responsible they're worried that they're going to get fired you're like that's the last thing i'm thinking about right now i need to you know so all of these moving parts and you said uh, you know maybe paying the ransom you know there are some some 
groups that you are you know forbidden it's against the law to pay you don't want to to get yourself exposed into something like that and and the question is how do you pay off someone okay they, they want they want in some kind of cryptocurrency do you know how to pay a ransom <laughs> you know you can you can you get money can you get four hundred thousand dollars out of your bank and go get you know some cryptocurrency no one knows how to do this or, or most most companies don't know how to do it so it's all of those moving pieces that again you know most people have not prepared for and they wouldn't even know how to pay a ransom they don't know how to protect their reputation they don't know what to say to the press they don't know what to say to their employees you know and and although it gets expensive quickly just not being experienced in this and you know and business owners you know if you run a business successfully you know all the aspects of your business but this is something you don't know you haven't planned for you don't know and and you need professionals and this is the time if you like right after that that breach or right after the discovery you need professionals day you know minute one minute two minute three because all that happens very quickly so you know and um, you know, some people do line those vendors up, but that's one of the benefits of having cyber insurance because those vendors come along with the policy. Absolutely. We have a couple of questions here. I want to get to some of these. So uh, this one came from Joe. Joe asked, how should customers answer the MFA question on an application if they can only be 80% of 100% of the company's services, meaning all the out of all the software his company uses, eighty percent only have MFA. Some right. of them don't. Yeah, you know, a lot of times those applications there are a bunch of yes no questions. But you know, do you have MFA? Yes, no. I mean, that doesn't ask you eighty percent, hundred percent. But there's also the ability to either fill out boxes of of information or add supplemental information. So you know, it, I would I would advise being honest. If you are answering yes to having MFA, qualify it, you know, make sure that the insurance company knows these are the systems and whether that is a you know, system diagram, whether that's a report, but this is what we've implemented. And our plan is to implement more in the future or this, you know, whatever the circumstances are, tell the story again, going back to what I said, tell the story of your cyber security and what you have implemented and what your plans are to the insurance company that will they'll be able to take that information and part of their underwriting process be able to say whether you know okay you're you're insurable you're not insurable or this is the the premium to reflect the fact that you know you gave us this information you know a lot of companies will say well 80 percent is better than zero so let's answer yes but by qualifying it up front the insurance company may come back and say, we need some more information. What systems, what's the other 20% look like? Why, you know, what's the reason behind that? It gives you a dialogue then, as opposed to saying yes, when it's not really 100% or saying no, when you have 80%. So, you know, being being honest and, and giving the insight allows for that conversation. And um, that would be my recommendation. I think the, the, the big thing is don't assume. Don't assume that what you're right, you know, you want to be a hundred percent transparent because you don't want anything to come back and bite you in the butt later. Right. At least, I mean, if you, if you say we have 80% and here's the 20% that we don't and you get insurance 
and there's an investigation, they find that 20% is the cause. Well, we were we were upfront about that and we told you and you still insured us. So that protects you. And you know, I think that's really important. I mean, clearly, if you say you have 10%, they're gonna say, well, most likely we're not gonna give you insurance or you're gonna pay a, a sky high premium. But it really is important to tell the, the proper story. Do as you say and say as you do. Yeah, we have one other question here. Um, let me put this up on the screen. What percent of carriers are providing incident response resources for the customer when an incident is reported? Almost so all of them. Fiber insurance, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean that—that's a core part. Again, you know, um, and and it's it's twofold. One is you know, one you have an insurance policy and it's going to pay financial you know protection and and help you, but two it's going to, you know, going to provide those resources. But the, but one of the, the keys is the insurance companies offer those because it minimizes the damage. It minimizes the impact, which then minimizes the cost to the insurance company. So think about this. If, if, we, can, if we can, you know, put our arms around a ransomware attack and get you up and running and figure out whether, you know, we have to notify customers or not, if we can help you with that, and minimize it, then we don't have to pay as much. If the breach costs less, it costs less to the insurance company. So, you know, one, it, it helps the business and, and it's vital, but two, it also helps the insurance company minimize the exposure that the customer faces and then which they'll put the claim in for. So it's, you know, um, insurance companies have a vested interest in helping a client minimize the impact of a data breach. Awesome. Awesome. Carlene, you want to take the next one? Uh, you're muted, I think. Yeah, I had to actually look for my mute. Um, are there industries that are like more susceptible to cyber insurance than others? Yeah. You know, there, there are some industries. That's a great question, Carlene, because there are some industries that insurance carriers are very leery of. All right. So um, one is managed service providers, you know, these IT companies that are providing um, services to lots of small businesses. If they get compromised, there's a good chance that their clients will be compromised. So insurance carriers are, are leery of managed service providers. Um, healthcare is is a huge target. Right. You know, there's so much valuable data. They're one of the most breached industries. They're also one of the, the least protected. They spend the least on implementing cyber security. So, you know, if you're a carrier, you're going to be very worried about healthcare. Uh, manufacturing is another industry that's targeted a lot. Manufacturing, you know, you think of, um, you know, one, you could stop a, a major, major manufacturer. Two, there's lots of intellectual property and manufacturing that, that, you know, if you could steal that, that IP, you could, you know, jumpstart a competitive product. So, you know, those three industries are very, you know, um, are, are very, uh, carriers are very leery of providing insurance. And in fact, some of, the, some of the carriers have pulled out of the market. So managed service providers, lots of carriers say, we're not going to provide that insurance. Others have stepped in and it's costing a lot more money. Healthcare, the same thing, manufacturing. So, you know, there are, industries that are targeted more that carriers will you know have to make that decision do we ensure that that 
segment or that vertical? And what do we charge to ensure that? Um, so the ones that are targeted the most are probably going to pay the highest. Um, and, you know, and, and the other thing, municipalities, schools and towns and government, that is just, you know, we, we, you can't stop reading about, um, you know, a school district that has been a ransomware victim. So, you know, carriers are very worried about municipalities as well. Um, you know, and again, if somebody pulls out, there's another carrier that will step in, take on that risk and, and, you know, but those, those policies will be a lot, a lot of money. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting, um, you know, in the world that we're in right now, I think it's important that if you take away anything from this, this uh, webinar or live stream is that every business is a target. You have every one of you have a target on your back. Now there are certainly ones that are much higher risk because they have a lot of information that can be attained by the bad guys, but everyone is a target and you can never forget that. You know, and it's funny um, that you said that, Ira, because they're they are definitely targeted. But there's a lot of small and mid-sized businesses that are targeted only because you know they're part of a phishing campaign that sends out half a million emails, and it's one of those employees that make a mistake and they become a victim. So you know, you you think of targeting as okay, we're going to go after Art Gross and we're going to you know learn everything about him and we're going to try to socially engineer him. You know, to to you know to to try to breach his company. Please don't. <laughs> but um, you know, we we you know that's what you think about targeting. But a lot of times, it's just you're you're part of a net, and you your employees are going to get you know social engineering scams, phishing scams, other other types of of scams. And so you're targeted in the sense of you're just part of that larger net. And it doesn't matter whether you're a small company, mid sized company, enterprise. It's really you know, the, it's, the criminals are just trying to get into the company and then they figure out, oh, we have a big fish, or we have a little fish, or we have a mid-sized fish. So, you know, every company is definitely being targeted. Some are being targeted, you know, specifically, but employees are just part of a net that if they, they make a mistake, that's, you know, that, then every business has to worry about that, that happening. So a question for you. So like in the world of cyber insurance, obviously it's changing rapidly, right? Because the attacks are changing rapidly. The severity of the taxes are, are, are changing fast. So if I have a, a cyber insurance policy with you and the, the, the industry has fundamentally changed for whatever reason, can, can coverage be changed in the middle of a policy or does it have to wait until the renewal? Yeah, usually it's it's at the end of the uh, the policy. So once you're locked in, you know, again, you know, you've you've attested to what is in, you know, what you've implemented. Um, it's on renewal where additional cyber security safeguards will be required, um, not in the middle of of the policy. So you know, for the most part, those are the way most um, insurance policies work. So once you have it. You know, but the one thing to, to, to think about is just because you have insurance now, the next time you go for renewal, that, that, that application could look dramatically different than what you filled out the year prior. It could, you know, there, these policies or these applications are changing week to week, month to month. I mean, it, you know, if there's a new breach, a new um, breach of a of software vendor, next thing you know, the next month they're asking, are you using that software vendor? Are you using these products? 
Um, and if you are, you know, your chance of getting a, you know, the best, the, you know, insured or the best premium goes down. So, you know, in, in carriers are, are looking at what's happening, the landscape, they may, may not be changing in the middle of a policy, but they definitely are changing on the renewals of those policies. So again, you got to give yourself enough time to make sure that you have the right safeguards in place. And, you know, you're not scrambling around at the last minute trying to, to get insurance and, and the landscape has changed for you, you know, and for the, for the insurance company. But makes what if a, a new, I'm sorry, I just had a thought. Like, what if a, makes a new breach just comes on the market that, that's attacking everybody? Is there any kind of truing up that you could do or, you know, like add a rider or then that contract that you have with the insurance carrier so that you don't have to wait till the next true up? I mean, you could always, you know, carry insurance companies are, are always willing to sell you more um, policies, you know, and, and there may be, you know, you may, you know, if you're in healthcare and, and ransomware is a, a big, big issue, you could get supplemental riders uh, on, you know, to protect. So say you have a million dollar policy and ran, you know, ransomware is only sublimited at half a million dollars. You could buy supplemental ransomware insurance, but as much as you want it, the carriers know you want it because you're in healthcare and it's going to cost you a lot of money if you can actually get that. So, you know, um, my, my, my advice is make sure you have cyber insurance, but don't depend on cyber insurance as a way of stopping, you know, if you know there's a, a ransomware attack, make sure your cyber security is beefed up as opposed to your policy. That doesn't mean you shouldn't have the right coverage, but if you know something's happening, the best thing to do is implement more cyber security and, and then, you know, make sure that, that your cyber insurance goes along with that as well. Excellent. I was just thinking that too. I'm sorry, Ira, I just keep jumping all over you, but I'm so excited because I was just thinking, you know, there are um, opportunities even with Telesystem, we offer consultation so that you don't have to wait till just you're, you're working on the policy with your insurance company, just becoming cybersecurity aware and making sure that your company is is in its best position following those, you know, the NIST framework and the other frameworks even if you don't know where to start, you just want to talk to somebody about it. I think that these are really exciting things that we are offering at Telesystem. And I just, uh, I want to make sure everybody knows about that. Yeah, that's important. It really is. And, and you know, most businesses are not cybersecurity experts. So they don't know what the landscape is. They don't know what the changing threats are. So, you know, being being able to to access experts and and those resources are very valuable. So we got like five minutes left. So I want to I want to kind of tie this up in a neat bow here. So I have one last question, and then I want to let everyone know about some important things you need to go or need to know before you go. Uh, first of all, uh, at the end of this, I'm going to talk about what our next webinars are for the next two months, so you'll know what's coming. But it, it, you're live right now. If you're on Crowdcast, I think it's up at the top of your screen right next to Cybersecurity Insiders, there should be a follow button. You wanna make sure that all of you click that button because that will alert you every time we go live with a new topic. Uh, it's, it's, it's a great way to get notified to know when, we're, when we have new topics up and about. And then at the end, I'm gonna have a special offer for you guys. We always like to give away something special for each webinar. 
And I got something I think that you'll really like here at the end. So stick around till, till the very end. Uh, but uh, last question, I think, for the day here is, are there, there are a lot of industries out there that have like specific regulations, healthcare, you know, credit mm-hmm. card problem thing, those types of things. You know, do like do should business owners be knowledgeable about any of these industry specific regulations and how it how it like impacts cybersecurity as a whole? Yeah, it's not only industry. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, there's some industries that we know, right? Healthcare with HIPAA, but every state in the United States has data protection, right? You know, um, laws. Okay, you know, the breach breach notification laws, data protection laws, meaning the states are requiring the fact that you are implementing these these controls, these these protections. So. It's not only it's it's industry. It could be financial services. It could be healthcare. Could be you know legal. Uh, more and more of those industries are requiring um, cybersecurity. But every state has a cybersecurity or data protection requirement. They kind of look like HIPAA. They kind of look like um, you know NIST um, uh, frameworks. So there and and these attorney generals are starting to get much more you know, um, uh, what's the proper word, much more, um, they're, they're getting very serious about going after companies that have had a breach and protecting, you know, we're seeing data breaches happen over and over, right? You know, there are millions and millions and millions of individuals are getting the identity breach. They're getting, you know, all of this. And the only way to protect that is, you know, by putting pressure on companies to implement more cybersecurity. So, you know, you're seeing very aggressive attorney generals that are, you know, and most companies don't even know that there are these state regulations to go along with some of the federal and some of the state regulations are actually more um, strict than federal regulations. So, you know, if and if you do a business of so say you do a business and have customers in New York and you may be in Missouri or, you know, in Texas, but if you have customers in New York, you have to abide by the New York regulations. If you have customers in in Florida, California, New York, Massachusetts, you have to actually have those data regulate, you know, those data protections on all four of those states, right? So, you know, if you think of a, a you know an e-commerce or a, you know a, a SaaS-based company, you have customers not only across the United States but across the world. So then you have GDPR and all that. So, so long, long you know, winded answer is yes, you have to be very concerned with these, these protection laws, both industry, state, you know, and federal and, and worldwide laws that to make sure, I mean, it's, it's, it's a total mess. If you have a data breach, you not only have to, you know, notify based on an industry, but then based on each of the states, it, it, you can see how, how, how expensive, how time consuming it could be. So, you know, the, the, the various data protection laws are a major problem. And, and for the most part, most businesses don't understand what that impact is until they have a breach, until they start talking to lawyers. And then they're like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is, you know, this is what we have to do to handle this data breach. The reality sets in. Set in fast and hard. Yes. And the reality is not so not such a fun reality. No, it isn't. <laughs> it isn't. You're right. You're right. 
So, so that was a fantastic uh, talk. I hope everyone got something out of it. Hey, do me a favor, everybody, in the chat window. Just if you, have, I'd love to see your comments. So while we're we're wrapping up here, and I'm telling you what we're going to be doing next, uh, go ahead and put your comments in the chat window. But Art, I want to thank you for joining today. Uh, amazing, amazing talk. It's always good to hear from an industry expert. And uh, so I was so excited to have you on our inaugural broadcast. And I think overall, what do you guys think? I think it went pretty well. I'm looking over yeah. here because all, all the chat's over here on this screen. It, it, I thought it went great because uh, the technology worked. And I don't feel like a guinea pig anymore. And this actually worked. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm relieved. And But I'm very thankful for, for being on here. Thank you very much. Yeah, just remember this, Art. When uh, there was a time where nobody in the world had ever run a four-minute mile, right. right? Roger Bannister broke that, and then as soon as he did it, a bunch of other people were able to do it. You're the Roger Bannister of our technology. All right. Wow. But but anyway, so I want to I'm going to throw up some comments here for you guys. So let's just show you what people are saying here. Uh, great topic and informational. Let's see what else here. Great presentation, nice format, uh, covered a load of material in an understandable manner. So a lot of good input here. Um, great job. Thanks, Art. Provided a lot of insight. So a lot of great, great uh, comments here. So I'm going to leave you all with, with this, two things. Number one, I want to talk about what's coming up next. Again, hit that follow button. You need to hit it. So this, this month was th the threat landscape and cyber insurance. Next month, I'm going to be having the chief strategist from one of the largest managed security providers in the world come in. And we're going to talk about the seven biggest security tr cybersecurity trends to watch for this year. He's amazing, this guy. Uh, and then in March, uh, I, you've probably seen this guy on TV, I'm guessing, because I've seen him for like 20 years on commercials. But a guy named Rob Chang, who's the CEO of a company called PCmatic, they used to do these corny commercials 10, 15 years ago, where they'd be singing and stuff about cybersecurity and protecting your PCs. Well, now they're grown up as a company, and they're actually uh, certified with the federal government to secure three-letter agencies in the uh, in the uh, federal government. So with with Rob in March, we're going to talk about how to mitigate your, your cybersecurity business risk. I'm also working on a uh, federal or a FBI agent, cybercrime specialist. And one of the ones I'm working on, which I cannot get this guy yet, but I'm trying, is he is a black hat hacker, a bad guy, a guy so bad that he was responsible for the biggest hack in all of UK telecom history. He spent five years in prison for that, and now he's out, and now he's supposedly on the good side. So I'm trying to get this guy on the broadcast. He's a little elusive. It's like almost like Sasquatch. It's kind of hard to find this guy. He, is, he doesn't like to be found, and he doesn't like to be on video, so we'll see. But I want you to all know that, listen, we are trying to provide a ton of great content for you that's going to literally help you if you're a partner, move the needle. If you're an end customer, help you protect your business. And I, just keep in mind that this is about you. Now, one thing I want to leave you with, last thing, is if you're interested in, um, in this, we are going for people who show up on this broadcast, we are going to do a free dark web assessment. What does that mean? 
well, for your business, we will take a look at your employees and we will let you know how many of them have already had credentials that are stolen. Not to scare you, but I'm going to kind of scare you. When we run this report, 95% of the time, you have a problem and you don't know it. And that's a big issue. Like when you don't know you have a problem, that's a big issue. So if you want a free dark web assessment and a consult, we'll go through the report with you. 15 minute you know, complimentary call. Just email me, ira at threatprotector.com. That's ira at threatprotector.com. Well, thank you so much, everybody. Have a great day. We hope you all enjoyed it. And uh, we'll see you next month with the uh, chief strategist for a large managed security uh, company. Have a great day. Art, thanks for joining. Carlene, you're amazing. Thank and you. we'll talk to you next time. Bye.